Hey, this is Jim Larrabee. I'm the lead pastor here at First Christian Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer is that the words you hear encourage you, that they challenge you, that they build your faith and draw you closer to Jesus. So, enjoy. Morning, church. How y'all guys doing? I think I'm on. There we go. Maybe. All right. Hey, uh, good to see you guys here. Today's the big game today. How y'all guys feeling about it? Feeling good? I, I know it, there's only two teams left, so more than likely it's not your team, but it is the Bengals and the Rams. So if you like those two animals, you are good to go, uh, which is awesome. But there are other things out there, right? There's uh, there's the Puppy Bowl. Do we have any Puppy Bowl fans in the house? Oh, good job. I like there were there was a smack. There's like one dude in first service that owned it. <laughs> and I was like, thank you, bro. Appreciate it. When I was Googling actually what time Puppy Bowl was, because I wanted to give you information, one o'clock Eastern time today, I discovered something I never knew. Do you know there's a third thing that they do? There's Super Bowl, there's Puppy Bowl. There is a kitten bowl that they do. Yes. And they canceled it this year. So I, I don't, I guess you put a bunch of cats on a football field and it does not go well. So anyway, you're, you're down to two options. I'm so sorry. Uh, we'll just just do what you got to do today. Anyway, so if you're interested in the game, it's going to be fun. If not, then you will do other things this afternoon. But you're here in church today where we can celebrate and engage God's heart, which is amazing. Love the focus on praise. Uh, it's been really good for uh, my heart and soul this morning. We've got uh, Vertical Marriage. It is coming up starting next week. So this is a great opportunity for you to be working on your marriage. It's a class that we're going to be doing uh, here during the Sunday services. Go online for more information. You can register online. You can find out info online, and so do that. It starts next week. I encourage you. You'll see all the other things that are going on, too. Tons of classes starting, a lot of great discipleship. Uh, Pastor Coffey's kind of leading us in that charge over there. Give me a wave out, Pastor Coffey. You've been looking at you. He's leading our discipleship charge. Uh, so a lot of classes, a lot of stuff going on there. So good deal. All right. If you're new this morning, my name is Jim Larby. I'm lead pastor here at First Christian. And this is not a San Francisco 49er jersey. Although I don't mind the San Francisco 49ers. This is Jerry Rice's college jersey from Mississippi Valley State. Any big Mississippi Valley State fans in the house? I did not think so. I, I was going to ask. I was going to ask. Uh, so anyway, uh, but just, just this is who I am. This is what we do. We have a blast around here uh, enjoying life. Now, we're in the middle of a series, by the way. So if you're catching us, and again, brand new, we're in the middle of a series. We're in the book of Revelation. So if you've got your Bibles or your Bible apps, go ahead and go there. Revelation, we're going to be in chapter 2 today. We're basically looking at the seven churches that Jesus talked to in Revelation. He, he gave these words to these seven churches. Uh, we're three churches in, so we're, we're at the third church this morning. And just a quick little recap. The first church that Jesus spoke to was a church of Ephesus. And if you want a, a way to remember what Jesus said to them, I guess you can call them the careless church because they had all the truth they needed. The church of Ephesus had every bit of the truth that you could ever need or want. Man, their heads were full of knowledge, but what was the issue? It hadn't gotten down to their heart. They had all this knowledge in their head of truth, but they had, they had forgotten the truth giver. You know, what we were doing in praising and worshiping this morning was engaging our heart, which is what Jesus desires. Yes, know truth. Yes, understand truth, but let that truth travel about 16 inches to your heart and change who you are and how you live and your worship. Engage, engage him. So that was a, that was a 
church of Ephesus that we talked about. Then last week, our second church was the church of Smyrna. The only church in these seven churches where Jesus doesn't say anything negative. There's no challenge there for them. He basically just simply says, hey, you're the crowned church. And you're going through persecution. You're facing all this stuff. And there is a crown of life for you and for anyone who overcomes and perseveres. And I actually love that message because it's a core truth of the Christian faith. Like if you're going to do this, right? If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you get this message. You get this truth that it really, at the end of the day, is about overcoming and persevering. You, you will go through stuff. Right? You, will, you will go through stuff. And what we have to do is we have to take this truth that we know and we have to hold on to it and we have to keep walking with him because we seldom see the complete picture. We, we will seldom know why. I know that's usually the number one question that I get asked when something happens. Why, Jim, why? And, and I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of things, but often I don't, I don't know God's plans and his purposes and why he does the things and allows the things. I don't know, but I do know this is that we hang on to the truth that we've been given. God has said that he has a good heart, let's trust it. Even when things look sketchy and challenging, let's trust that he has a good heart. The truth that he's given us, that we hold on and persevere and not give up. And Jesus said, for those who do that, there's a crown of life. A crown of life that he gives us that we can hold on to. The Apostle Paul also speaks to this, uh, and, I, and I love these words of encouragement to us about persevering. Philippians 1.6, and I'm sure of this, Paul says, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. Now, you don't have to worry about it. no matter what you go through, your ups and downs, your successes, your failures, God will never stop working in you and with you and for you. That he who began that good work, maybe you're eight years old or, or 18 or, or maybe 88, it doesn't matter. Whenever that work started, he has committed to complete it. And to keep working and doing that journey in your heart and your life. And so he says, persevere. He says, don't give up on me because I refuse to give up on you. And so that was the church of Smyrna, a great encouragement for us. And that leads us to today, our third church, the church of Pergama. Now, uh, it's in Revelation chapter 2, verse 12. I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to read the whole thing that Jesus said. It's only like six or seven verses. I'm going to read everything that Jesus said, and then we're going to go back and unpack it, kind of a little verse-by-verse verse action there. But I needed to get in your mind what we're talking about. So it begins in verse 12 of chapter 2 of Revelation, Jesus speaking to the church at Pergamum, but also to us. And he says this, And to the angel or the pastor, the messenger of the church of Pergamum, write, the words of him who has a sharp two-edged sword. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, these are my words, the words of me who has a sharp two-edged sword. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast to my name and you did not deny my faith. Even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, he was, he was like a, a guy that went to your church who was killed. I saw that, you know, where Satan dwells. I saw what he did, but... I do have a few things against you. And he brings up these two groups of people. He says, listen, you hold to the teachings of Balaam. And he goes on to explain that. Balaam who taught Balak uh, to be a stumbling block before the sons of Israel that they might uh, eat food sacrificed to idols and then also practice sexual immorality. You also hold to some of the teachings of the, the Nicolaitans, which is similar to, the, to what Balaam taught. Therefore, repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. 
He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. To the one who conquers, to the one who conquers and overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and write a new name on that stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. So a lot of stuff there, a lot of symbolism in there that I want to I kind of give you, but, but it starts with these words, this phrase where Jesus simply says, these are the words of him who has a sharp, double-edged sword. Now, if you're new to Revelation and you read that, you're like, what? Is Jesus going to cut me? Is that the plan here? You know, he's, he's going to show up at church with that double-edged sword and he's going to do business. But if you know the symbolism of scripture, you know that a sharp double-edged sword in scripture always means God's word. In fact, Hebrews 4.12 says this, for the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing to the vision of the soul and the spirit of the joints and the marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So what Jesus is saying here is literally, he's standing before the church and he's simply saying this, my word is God's word and I'm bringing truth. I'm bringing God's word. I'm bringing truth. I'm speaking that to you as if it's a a double-edged sword just coming at your heart and your soul and your spirit. Now, that was really critical for the church of Pergamum. There's a lot going on, a little history that I'll give you here for this church, why Jesus would say that, because it's really important for us to understand. It really relates to us today, too. Pergamum. What was a city that absolutely was one of those truth-seeking cities. When you showed up at Pergamum, you found people who were always looking for answers about everything. So there's all kind of learning going on in this city. It was one of the few places in Asia Minor where there was a college. It was actually a college here in Pergamum that had this 3,000-seat open amphitheater, open-air amphitheater. It had a place where you could listen outside. So you had this thing, and, and people would come from miles and miles around to sit in this amphitheater while somebody stood up and taught, and they were always teaching new things and different things. So they had this, this massive place of learning they also had in Pergamum, and this is the only one they've ever found in the, uh, in the uh, area where uh, this church was, was an alternative healing center. And so they were so into learning that they even, of course, the regular healing method was like leeches. So maybe you really wanted the alternative healing center at this point. But they had this alternative healing center where you could go into this place and you walk in this building. And one of the healing methods is they would take you underground into these really dark chambers that had these, these little coffin-like things that were filled with water. And Basically what you do, you would lay in the water and float and they would close the top and you would sit there and that would be how they would practice, you know, hey, you're getting yourself all healed and dialed in. And, and I, I think mamas just went to get away from the children, but you just kind of, that's Calgon, take me away kind of experience that they got going on there. And, and that was the thing that they did. In fact, a lot of people believe that you ever heard the myth of the uh, fountain of youth? A lot of people believe it came from this, this alternative healing center that existed in Pergamum. And just a little fortune cookie truth for you right here. Let me, let me drop this on you. Forget Fountain of Youth. World needs Fountain of Smart. Uh, best fortune cookie I've ever read in my life. And just thought I'd give that to you. Anyway, so that, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about this morning. So they had this alternative healing center. They had this college. Uh, Pergamum also had the largest library in Asia Minor. I mean, it was, it was huge. It was massive. And, and, and so people would go there to learn and everything else. It was the largest library until uh, Mark Anthony came and conquered the city and stole all 200,000 books. And you know what he did to him? 
he gave him to Cleopatra. He literally, he gives him to Cleopatra. Must have been Valentine's Day. Hey, babe, I hope you like to read. <laughs> Here's your library. Your man's bringing it. Kindle. You know, the whole thing. Um, so anyway, so they had this largest library. Jim, what's your point? And my point is simply this. In the middle of all these voices claiming truth, right? A college, you know, alternative healing center, you know, a library. In the middle of all these voices claiming truth, Jesus stands up and says, I'm the truth. Jesus says, not only am I the truth, but my truth is like a double-edged sword that what? Cuts through the chaos and cuts through the clutter so that you can hear what I have to say. And that's the image that he's giving uh, this church in Pergamon. And honestly, I think it's an image that, that we need to grab hold of too because we live in a culture that absolutely screams information and facts. And I, what, I, I spent 30 seconds Googling what's on TV today, and, and, and wow, I mean, even, even the kitten bowl, I found out that was canceled. You know, just, I could find out anything, all this information, all this fact. And what Jesus is saying is, listen, in spite of all those things, I need you to know, I need you to understand that I, I am the truth. And my truth, mm, my truth isn't just information in your head. It is stuff that guts, goes to the very heart and soul of who you are. It is a sword that cuts to the, the bone and the marrow, and it literally shapes your soul. There's a lot of good information out there. A lot of great books you can read, a lot of great authors. I do it, read them, watch all that kind of stuff. Podcasts, those great things. But understand this, Jesus and his word, man, this is the soul shaper. This is the thing that absolutely can change who you are. And so basically, I would say this, you want to you know the truth and then walk close to him. You want to hear this truth and walk close to him. We, you know, there's a lot of chaos and clutter out there. We used to do this illustration in youth group when, when I was going through. My youth pastor would do this to teach us about how to walk close with Jesus. He would stand on one side of the room and had somebody else stand on the other side of the room. And the room was like totally quiet. And he'd say, hey, can you hear me? And the person that was standing wherever there goes, yes. And he'd give them directions on how to walk all the way up to the stage. The person was blindfolded. He'd give them directions on how to walk all the way up to the stage. And it worked. But he said, is that real life? Is that how real life works? Is real life that quiet? No, you guys aren't even that quiet. I mean, that's just not how real life is, right? So, so he would stand them up back there and then he would tell us just to say whatever we want. And you can imagine a youth group. Oh my gosh, right? We'd make chicken noises and everything. I would, we'd just be like, what? Just going crazy, you know? And then you'd start giving directions. Would that person back there be able to walk to the stage? No, no, because then we started screaming directions at them. Turn left, turn left, running them into the wall, doing it up, you know, everything else. We, and we would just have a blast. And he said, that's how it is sometimes. When you're that far away from the person who's giving you truth, then all they hear is everything else. And then he'd do this third thing, which is the coolest part of this whole illustration. He would go and he would, he would stand right next to the person, still blindfolded, and, and a, little, a little worn out from these two experiences that he just had. But he'd stand right next to him and say, okay, now just get loud. And everybody would get crazy loud. And he would whisper in that person's ear, hey, go straight. Hey, turn left. And, and no matter how loud we got, because of how close that speaker was to, to his ear, he can navigate the cave. Friend, that is how it works. Jesus speaks truth to us. He speaks truth to us all the time. It's there for us to grab hold of. But sometimes, sometimes we are just too far away to hear what he has to say. 
And, and I say that saying Jesus hasn't gone anywhere. We have wandered too far away and what we gotta do is work to getting back to his heart and his presence so that we can hear what he has to say so it can cut through the chaos and clutter. Church in Percy's statement, which totally blows me away. He says, I know where you dwell. Let me translate, I know where you live. <laughs> Almost as if Jesus were from South LA. It's kind of a little, you know, whoo, Jesus knows where I live. What's up with that? Well, this isn't a, a situation where Jesus knows where we live and is going to show up, you know, in a threatening way. What he's saying here is simply this. He says, I know where you're living. I know where you're living in. I know what you're going through. I, I understand what you're dealing with. Now, it seems like every week that we talk about a church, Jesus is saying this at an individual level. I see what you're going through. I see where you are. I see what you have to face. He, he's reaffirming every time that, that he sees our life, he understands and gets it. He gets the depression. He gets the struggle. He gets the heartache. He gets the pain. He gets the rustle. He sees it. I see you. But this is a little more kind of like group oriented. He's saying in this, I see you as a church. I see who you are, FCC. I see your community. I see your family. I, I see you as my body. I see where you're doing. I see that you're loving on the homeless by giving things to, to Mary in a hospital. You go, church. You're my church. You're my body. That's, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you have done it for me. Go. You go, church. He sees what we do. He sees who we are. And, and I think I can go ahead and just say this. This church matter and, and our difference under the banner of Jesus Christ. And he says, man, that's, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to create. And if church matters to Jesus, then let me just add, it should matter to us. But there's nothing like being in community with someone that encourages you, someone that speaks life to you, someone that challenges you, someone that says, hey, listen, we, we can do this. You do not have to walk that journey alone. And Jesus says, hey, I, I see where you live. I see what you're doing, church. You keep doing the thing that I've called you to do. In fact, he even adds this encouragement after that. He says, you know, I'm giving you truth. I, I know where you live. I see what you're going through. Keep being my church. And he says, you have not renounced your faith in me. He gives this church that encouragement. And in the face of everything that you're experiencing, you've not given up. You've stayed strong. You did the right thing even when it was the tough thing. I think is really important encouragement for us today, even, even in spite of everything that we see and do, that we do the right thing, even if it's the tough thing, we keep following do. He says, man, you are overcoming and you are persevering. And sometimes we do the right thing and, and we think no one sees it. Like I, I did this good thing and no one sees it. So let me make sure I get it on Facebook. You know, <laughs> that would... So. I see the good you do. And when you're out there doing the things for me, I see it, I understand it, don't give up. You have not renounced your faith with me. When, when, when it was hard, you stood strong. Uh, the Apostle Paul uh, said, do it to be in your job. Let us not grow weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, Jesus says, listen, you keep, you keep following me no matter where you are, no matter what you face, face keep following me. But then he adds this third thing. So he's kind of walking through this for you. And I think this relates to all of us. But are there are good things that we do. That's what Jesus needs to say to push us. There is something that he wants to challenge us. Teachings of Balaam. Now, teachings an Old Testament story. 
And, and not everyone in the church would know it, so someone would have to explain it to them. But the teachings of Balaam were basically this. If you go to the Old Testament and read the book of Numbers, and I know you all, and either they're more honest than you are or what, but maybe you just read it. That's awesome. But in the book of Numbers, there's this story of Balaam. Now, Balaam is a prophet for hire. He's not, he's not God's prophet. He would do is you would hire him to come in and bless and curse who you want. So he would come in and he'd bless your, bless your little kids or maybe your Super Bowl party today and he'd come in and he'd curse your other team and those kind of things. He, that was his job. He was a prophet for hire and so that's, that's what he did in the community. Now, this all happened and they're gonna go into the promised land and all these countries saw it. They're like, who's that? Got a little nervous. Hey, they, they may, they may. He simply calls Balaam up and he says, hey, Balaam, we're gonna go fight the Israelites. We're gonna see if we can, if we can kick them while they're down. They just come out of slavery. We think we can take them. We're gonna just, just fight them and take them out. But before we do that, we would like for you to lay a little curse on them to make this whole thing easier. Now, God shows up and speaks to Balaam. He's not even a prophet of God, but God shows up and says, Balaam, don't, bro. (laughs) Don't do this. Don't do this. And Balaam's like, you know, okay, maybe I won't. And the king comes, let me try. (laughs) You know, so, so you know the story. He gets on the donkey. Even the donkey, this donkey turns around and says, don't do it, bro. (laughs) And he's like, oh my gosh. But still, still Balaam goes. He's just all wrapped up in the money and the prestige. I'm going to be the great prophet that curses Israel and everything else. So he gets all the way up to the mountain and the king of Moab says, you're my man. You got this, right? All the treasure. I mean, the gold is sitting right here. All this could be yours. And so Balaam's like, you got this, you know, kind of limbers up a little bit. You know, Israel's out there. He's on the top of this mountain and he goes to curse Israel. And just as soon as he opens up his mouth, out comes a blessing. Chirp, 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 chirp. (laughs) So so he's like, and everybody's looking around going, what, what was that? What was that? And Balaam's like, oh, hey, just, just warming up, coach. Just warming up. That's, uh, that was, uh, that was from my party last week. And so he literally goes to curse Israel again. And he just, I got it this time. And he goes to curse them. He opens his mouth and a blessing comes out. And now the crowd's getting a little anxious, like, whoa, ho, ho, what's going on? And the Moabite king's kind of like, what's up, dude? And Balaam's like, give me one more shot at this, bro. I know I can do it. I know I can do it. And so he goes up a third time and he stands there, takes in a deep breath, and he goes to speak a curse. And out comes this amazing blessing on the nation of Israel. And the Moabite king is angry. I mean, he's like, I paid you this money and you showed up and you just total bait and switch. It's like, you know, when you come home and your wife says she's baked this, this amazing chocolate cake and it's really like chocolate zucchini cake. And it's just, it's not the same. It's not the same. That whole bait and switch thing. This, this is, this is a Moabite king right here. He's like, he's like, what are you doing? And Balaam's like, I, tr- I am, I tried. Now, the story in Numbers ends right there. But if you go to Revelation and read the rest of the story, Balaam did feel bad that he couldn't curse Israel. And so he says this to the Moabite king. He says, listen, here is a way that you can do this. Instead of me cursing them, instead of you going to fight them, which you're going to totally lose that fight, here's what I want you to do. You should send your people to tempt them. Kind of come in and, 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 and tempt them with, with different things and, and, and have them sin against their God. 
And that's exactly what happened over, over the course of months, over the course of a couple of years. The Moabite king sent people to, to tempt Israel and many Israelites absolutely fail. And they were God's chosen people in name, but they weren't acting like God's chosen people in their actions. They're like, yeah, yeah, we're still God's chosen people. We're heading to the promised land. We're doing our thing. But then they're doing all this stuff, which absolutely was against the heart of God. They had embraced uh, rationalization. They had legitimized the compromise of truth in their life. Jim, what, is, what does this have to do with the church of Pergamum or even our church? Simply this, it, it demands that we ask this question, have we done the same? Church in Pergamum had done that. They were, they were claiming the name of Jesus. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. He's mine. I'm his. But they were not living out that truth in their life. Remember, the church was surrounded by all this culture and all these things. And so they were showing up on Sunday, Jesus. But then they were going, going to, to work on Monday, Athena or you know Caesar and all these other kind of things. And they were compromising in areas so that they could stay comfortable. And Jesus calls that out and he says, man, it doesn't work that way. He says, that's not how this thing unfolds and how it happens. His truth is not a, you know, a buffet that we can just kind of pick and choose. I'll take a little of this, I'll take a little of this. I ain't having none of that, you know, kind of thing. That's not how it works. What does he say his truth is? His truth is a sword. And that cuts deep to the bone of our life. It shapes our soul. It's, it's all or nothing when it comes to Jesus and his truth. And some days that truth, whoo, it is powerfully encouraging. You know, some days you read this stuff and you're like, man, I need that. Woo, praise Jesus. And some days his truth is powerfully challenging. And the same thing is true. And I need that. I, I needed someone to tell me those things about my relationships, tell me those things about my heart, tell me those things about the lies I believe, tell me those things about who I am and what I need to do. Thank you, Jesus, that every day your word is there for me to follow and live. That, that was the push. That was the thing that Jesus said, I love you as church. You're amazing. You're, you're enduring. That's awesome. But, but turn loose of the compromise. Don't compromise with culture. You grab my truth, you live it, and make it be real in your heart and your life. And, and then he adds this. He says, if you'll do that, if you'll just do that, if you'll grab my truth and live it, it won't be easy. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be hard. But if you will do it, I'll give you two things, two things that he offers us today. The first is this hidden manna. What was that about? Remember Israel, this is, he's kind of relating to Old Testament stories. Israel, when they were walking through the wilderness and there was nothing, like there, there wasn't like a, a jack-in-the-box or a Chick-fil-A or anything like that. There's no pulling over and stopping. They were just walking through the wilderness and there was nothing to eat. And God said, I will sustain you. And he had this bread that would fall down from heaven and that would land on the ground and Israel would go out and pick it up and eat it. And it would sustain them through the wilderness. And Jesus is basically saying, that's what I'll give you. You are walking through the wilderness. Maybe it's a relationship thing or life thing or a struggle thing. But whatever wilderness you are walking through, understand this. I will give you the hidden manna that will satisfy and sustain your soul. You're going through struggle. You're in a circumstance or situation when it's just hard and tough to be the Christian Christ follower. And you're simply saying, they are stripping everything away from me. My friend, God pours back. And he's offered for your heart and your soul to be fed by his spirit. Now, what do we have to do? We've got to receive it. 
<laughs> we got to go out and get it. Okay, God didn't just like deliver it in a little, you know, a little, little bag, you know, combo number four right here at your door. He didn't do that. He said, you got to go out and pick it up. So we have to, hey, God, you're giving me this manna. You're giving me this truth. I got to receive it. I got to hear it. I got to pick it up. I got to live it. I got to do something with it. But when we do it, feeds and sustains us in, in some of the most darkest journeys that we're going through. And, and he gives them this last thing, and I'll land the plane here. It's, it's honestly, of all the truths in Scripture, this is one of my favorites. He says, not only will I give you hidden manna to sustain you through anything and everything, to feed your soul with my presence and my spirit, but he says, this, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to give you a little white rock. And on, on that little right rock is going to be written a name, and I'm going to give it to you, and only I and you will know the name that's written there. And I think that is powerful, that the God of the universe is going to give you a name that's just between you and him. This is, this is a real deal. He's going to, hey, just a name between you and him. You might think you're like one among a million, but my friend, in God's eyes, you are one in a million. And in all of heaven, all he's got to do is say your name and you will know because no one else in all of heaven will have it. And you will come and you will sit at his feet and you will have this conversation where he speaks to you directly and has named you. That's a powerful, powerful thing. And, and sometimes we don't think about our names. When, well, when, I was, when I was born, my mom wanted to call me Michael Ray. My name is actually Philip James, but my mom wanted to call me Michael Ray. She had this whole plan, everything else, but they drugged her up so much that she couldn't. And, and my dad comes in and like, what are you going to name him? And he's like, Philip James, that's what we're going to name him. Uh, and he named me after himself. Now, a lot of stories, that's, that's you go, yeah, yeah, just gotta love that. Um, and a lot of stories, that's not a bad thing. But my dad, in my own story, ended up being a train wreck. And I'm being just a, just left the family, did horrible, horrible things, crazy. And it's weird. Weird, right? You know, you carry this name. I'm named after him. You carry this name that has all this bags and all this history. And, and you spend your whole life, some of you will get this, you spend your whole life trying to undo the label of a name. I have. So, when I read about a God who understands that, when I read about a God who says, it doesn't matter what your dad named you, and it doesn't matter what his legacy is that he gave you, I'm giving you a new name. and attach that name as identity. There's a lot of things in heaven I'm looking forward to. A lot of things. A lot of things. This is going to be my moment. When my father says, this is how I see you and this is how I know you. My friend, that is not my journey only. And this is a journey for every single one of us in this room as we are Christ followers, as we have walked, as we have failed, as we have been labeled, as we have been journeyed with the things that this world has given us that God simply says, all done, all done, a new name just for you.
we don't talk religion around here. Religion won't get you anywhere. We talk Jesus Christ in a relationship with him. And, and if you know him that way, whew, glorious. Man, he's got hidden manna for you and he's got a new name. And if you persevere and if you endure, well, it is, it is a glorious thing that we have in him. And if you don't know that, if you haven't experienced it, you are missing everything. And I can say that hands down. I don't care what you're involved in, what you're doing. If you're missing Jesus, my friend, you're missing the best thing that this universe has to offer. I'd love to introduce you to him. I mean, prayer room back there, folks can pray for you. But I think even for us, just as Christians or Christ followers, no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're enduring, that God has this hidden manna and this new name that we can hold on to. And then we can know how much our Savior loves us. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to wrap up here. Um, let him do his work in our heart and our soul. Father, I can't believe how much this truth touches me. Seriously, just, wow. And I think it's a truth that should touch each and every one of us, that you care for us this deeply and this passionately, Father, that you have so much for us. And I can see you standing here speaking to FCC, just, just saying, I, I love you, church. I care for you, church. I have, I have so much for you, church. There's some things you need to know, some pushes you need to have. But if you're willing to endure with me and stand strong with me, have the hidden manna to sustain your soul and have a name, have a name just for you. Let us receive that. Do not let the enemy steal that from anyone in here. That we hear your truth of your power and your love and your grace for our hearts and our souls. We are your sons and daughters. We're your children And we choose right now to walk in your grace and walk in your love. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share it with a friend. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. If you'd like to find out more information about giving or to see what's going on in the life of our church, please visit us at fccsantamaria.org. Thanks again for listening and God bless.